0: Good morning, Tabernacle. I found it interesting that Trevor had to clarify that he is not Dane. At least he's tall enough. Um, And I'm sure you can figure out I'm not Dane because he can preach. (laughs) It is amazing how the Lord works His ways in a very different way than we plan things. In the Spanish congregation, we've been studying Genesis. And I understand you've been studying Hebrews. But somehow God had it planned in such a way that when we reach Chapter 22: "The Life in the Life of Abraham." Dane asked me if I wanted to preach because he just started working out the life of Abraham here in church. So um, we will complement um, some of that teaching. On Wednesday, some of you were here, and we started touching on the life of Abraham. And there are several things that are key to understand the story of Abraham that were elusive to me in my early years. I went to Sunday school like most of, or some of you, I don't know if most of you did, but a lot of you went to Sunday school and heard all the stories of Abraham, and some of them were very very difficult for me to understand. And yes, I understand faith, And he is presented in Hebrews as the father of all of us, all of us who have faith. Yet, I really had trouble understanding some of his actions and his life. And I came to the realization at some point in my life that some of that could be explained by the fact that I grew up in church. I grew up knowing since very early in my life, about God Almighty, the God Most High, the God who's all love, all mercy, and all powerful, the God that is God above everything, above all geographies. He's not constrained by certain geographies like the gods that Abraham in his early life learned about. When he grew up in Ur of the Chaldeans, they worshipped several gods there, but they were regional gods. Each one of those gods had a, a circumscription over some geography. And if you went through that geography, you had to pay offerings to that god. And then when you went to the next province, you had to pay offerings to the next god. And so that's the god that he knew when he grew up. But as We heard last week God called him out of Haran and into the land without direction, said, just keep walking until I tell you to stop, until I tell you where is the land that I'm going to give you. And then we get to chapter 22 of Genesis, where it starts with the words, Sometime later. So, you know, in, in the movies you've probably seen something similar to that. You know, you're you're watching a movie, and then all of a sudden it says two weeks later or two years later, right? Genesis 22nd starts with sometime later, sometime after all the things that we've talked about last week and on Wednesday happened. Abraham met Melchizedek. And I know he's a mysterious person. Even to this day, theologians are arguing who was Melchizedek and what's the meaning of him. I don't get to that level. I'm not smart enough to to figure that out. But I know why he needed to appear in the story at that point, because Abraham didn't know that there was a God that was the creator of everything. And if you read the story, when um, Melchizedek meets Abram, at that time it was called Abram, he informs Abram, the God that has been talking to you is the God Most High, the God Almighty, and he's the creator of all the things, and he's above all things, and Abram starts to learn He didn't go to Sunday school. He starts to learn about this this God that is all-powerful. He really is the God that is powerful enough to keep me safe. And he starts believing that. And we see through chapters 14 and 16 how he is evolving in his faith and his learning. One thing we see, though, is that even though he's not understanding totally, he's obeying God. He's doing what God tells him to do. And sometime later, chapter 22, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He responded. He was ready. What's next? What's what's the next task? I'm I'm, I'm ready to do it, Lord. I I know who you are now. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. Here I am. But It says here that God tested, (coughs) sorry, Abraham. And I'm sure you have heard of this test. This is one of the things that was very hard for me to understand. What is this test about? This test involves something really, really hard to do. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac. Well, wait a minute. We know Isaac is not Abraham's only son because in order to get Isaac, he had already taken things into his own hands and had another son called Ishmael. But by this time, he had to kick Ishmael out of the house. You're not the son of the promise, and you're breaking my marriage, and I need to keep my, my family intact because through Isaac is the promise of God, so he kicks Ishmael out of the house. So now in the house, he has one son, his dear, beloved son. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Now, if, if you have uh, looked at, at, at a map of this area recently, you will kind of identify where he is. In, chap, in the chapter 21, it tells us that Abraham is in Be- Beersheba, right? Uh, chapter 21, verse 31. So that place was called Beersheba. And that's where Abraham is right now. And that is slightly south of the Dead Sea. So think about, if, you've, if you can visualize that map, slightly south of the Dead Sea is where Beersheba is. And that's where Abraham is. And God tells him, take Isaac and go to the region of Moriah. And Where is the region of Moriah? The region of Moriah is about three days walking north. Why? This is not a field trip, right? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a day out. It's not just go to the, to the field somewhere uh, with your son. It's very specific. You have to take him from where you are, and you have to walk three days with him, to a specific place that I'm going to tell you to go. That specific place is the area of Moriah, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But in between Beersheba and Moriah, if you look at it in in one map, you'll see that there's a lot of mountains. It's a whole region of mountains. But nope, we're going to a specific mountain. We're not just saying go to the mountain. Go to a specific mountain in the area of Moriah. But then the next part is sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, if you think... That has to be one of the most shocking statements in the Bible. Wait until you hear the next verse. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and left. It is shocking enough that God will tell you to kill your own son. But even more shocking to me that Abraham says... Sure, when, where, how, let's go, let's do it, let's kill Isaac. That that is so unbelievable. If I hear a voice tonight that tells me, kill one of your children, I'll switch neurologists. There is no way, there is no way I'm going to obey that command. How is this a test of faith for Abraham? I cannot accept that. But wait a minute. We're reading the Bible. We're reading the Word of God. And it is God who's telling Abraham to do that. And it's Abraham who's ready to do it. And he's the father of all of us who have faith. He's an example for us to follow. I can't comprehend that. I went to visit a place in Peru. It's called a huaca. It's a, it's a It's a ruin of... Uh, the, our, our ancestors there, and while we were visiting there, we visited a plateau that had boxes in all corners, and we looked into those boxes, and there were some uh, containers in there, and they had some corn, and they had some, some other things that they have found inside those containers. But there was another one that was a little bit more special. It was small. And say, what's that? There was a baby there. What is a baby doing there? It was a sacrifice to their gods. And there was one on each of these corners, and they were killed for their god. And I was like. How in the world do they do that? And then a little light came up. And I asked this anthropologist, and I said, I didn't know our ancestors killed their own people in sacrifice to their gods. And she said, you know what? Most of the ancient cultures that we have studied have done exactly the same thing. And I went like, what? Let me go check that. And I search Ur of the Chaldeans. Human sacrifices. And guess what I found? Of all places in the Chaldean territory, they have found a place in Ur of the Chaldeans, exactly the town where Abraham comes from, where there's a big pit, they call it, archaeologists call it the pit of death, and that pit of death has 63, if I remember right, 63 bodies that were sacrificed to their God, and the God is sitting there, and in the pit, all the, the bodies of the human beings that were sacrificed to that God were sitting there piled up in, in, in a formation in front of their God, and why did they do that? Because gods require human sacrifices to be happy. You want to please your God, you kill a human being and present it as an offering to that God. That is where Abraham came from. So when the new God asked him to sacrifice his son, he said, that's what gods do. That's what gods ask That's exactly what I'm going to do. But wait a minute. Abraham is the father of the faith. But we go to Hebrews, which is what you're studying also, right? In chapter 11, it mentions this event. And chapter 11, verse 17, says, By faith, Abraham when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, he who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. What was Abraham planning on doing? He trusted God, but his upbringing, his background was pagan, was heathen, and he knew that gods that's all they asked for. Human sacrifices. So this new God is asking me for a human sacrifices. I'm going to do it, but I trust that this new God is going to raise my son from the dead. And as horrific as that sounds, that's what he planned on doing. And then in verse 3, then it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Some people understand this verse as saying, oh, he knew Beforehand, that God would not let him kill his son. But Hebrews clarifies that. Hebrews says, no, he was going to kill his son because he trusted that God was going to bring his son back from the dead. <clears throat> Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac is not a little baby. Some think that he was probably about 15 years old. If he was 15 years old, he, he realized what they are doing. If he was 15 years old, his father that had him at, at 100 was already 115 years old. So there is a, an age difference and it's probably a strength difference between the two. At 15 years old, it was going to be a little hard to force Isaac to do anything he didn't want. But he starts wondering, what's going on here? I don't see the animal. Are we going to hunt it somewhere? And I have no explanation for what happens next, except that God intervened. In the New Testament, the Lord tells us that we should not be worried about what to answer when we're brought in front of the authorities. And he said, why? Because the Holy Spirit is going to speak through us. And I believe that's exactly what happened in the next verse. Because Abraham had no answer for his son. Yet he answers in a way that becomes prophetic in a way that is totally not understandable in Abraham's mind. He said, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The Holy Spirit spoke through Abraham to answer to his son what his son needed to know. And I'm I'm wondering what Abraham thought after that. From that point, I said, What did I just say? Is that, is that what's going to happen? Because he was decided to offer his son as a sacrifice. And we'll see as that progresses. The two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there. And arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He was ready. He was ready to obey God. And he thought... What God is asking is perfectly reasonable. Yet, true, this moment is a moment of test for his faith. But at the same time, it is a teachable moment. It is a moment when God Almighty, God Most High, is going to reveal him something he doesn't know. And it says... But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Again, he's ready to obey when God calls. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And sometimes we have taken this phrase out of context. When somebody's going through some financial trouble, don't worry. God will provide. But that's not what it means. That's, that's not what this passage means. That's not what the phrase is intended to convey. This phrase is another prophetic statement out of the mouth of Abraham. Abraham he probably has no clue what's going on here. He doesn't know he's about to become a type of God. And his son just became a type of Jesus Christ. And yes, God tested his faith. But while at it, it revealed to him, I am not like the other gods. I will not require that you kill a human being in my name. I will provide the sacrifice for you. I'm a different God. I'm the true God. I'm the just God. The God that we know in the New Testament, in the church, we know that became flesh himself to come and become that sacrifice for us. He is not a God who's telling you, like most religions in the world of the past and the world of today, you need to sacrifice things to please God. You need to give money to please God. This is the God, the true God that says, I am going to sacrifice to rescue you from your sins. And so, at this point, he becomes not only a prophet, but also a type. A type in theology terms is is kind of a sample. Something in the Old Testament that is given with the purpose of teaching something that is going to be revealed in the New Testament. And... But his words are interesting because he says that in this mount, God will provide. Which mount is that? He was told to go to the land of Moriah, right? You remember that. So he was told to go to the land of Moriah. But you know that, that little name, Moriah, is not very common. It doesn't happen many times in the Bible. But you know when is the next time that it happens? The next time that word is used is in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. And it says the following. Then Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father, David. This mount is where the Lord will provide. And what did the Lord provide in that mount? In that mount, the Lord provided a ram instead of Isaac. And in that mount, the Lord provided the temple where the sacrifices were done on behalf of the people. And on that mount, God provided his own son to die for our sins. Mount Moriah is not just a place where Abraham went. Abraham could have gone to any mount. It was full of mounts. But the Lord told him, go to the mount that I'm going to show you. Because it's very important for the type to be completed in the New Testament. It is very important you do it in the right place. In that place, because that event is going to become the best way to teach the gospel, the best way to exemplify a God that provides the sacrifice instead of ourselves. John 1.29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in 1 Peter 1.18 it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And the verse, the most famous verse of the Bible also talks about this, and you all know it in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. All the gods of that time were angry and wanted to punish the world and would uh, withhold rain. And you had to pay an offering for that God to become happy and give you the rain. But God says, the true God, the almighty God, he says, I love you so much that I am going to give my one and only son to die for your sins so you can be forgiven and you can come back to me, to the relationship that I always wanted to have with you. How is that relationship working out this day? Are you in peace with God? The blood of Jesus has already made sure that all your sins, all your debts are forgiven with the Lord. Come back to peace with him because all the price has already been paid. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these stories in the Old Testament that not only have helped us through decades and centuries to teach our children about you, but are so deep and profound that when we look at them for the purpose that you put them in the Bible. Illustrate that wonderful love that you have for us. And open our eyes to the fact that maybe we have been influenced by the gods of our time before we came to you. Maybe we still have in our minds some of the ways like Abraham brought to think that we can please you with some sacrifice some offering with some money or some suffering that we have and that pleases you and I thank you this morning that you tell us through your word that you're not pleased with our suffering that you are not pleased by our offerings by our sacrifices, but you can only be pleased by the blood of Jesus, the blood that you came to earth to shed for us. And I pray to you that all of us have already found a way back home, the way back to you through the blood of Jesus. Thank you.